With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you doing in the art studio? You should be out doing stuff. Well, you sure got to be careful what you wish for. I think it was just maybe half a dozen shows back. I wished for a clone of myself to come, come give myself a critique and advice. And that's exactly what has happened. A smarter version of myself came along, better educated, more experience, and just, ha, how can I put it? The fact of it is, almost any endeavor can be second-guessed. And also, you can say this sort of thing to someone. Hey. You should uh, post YouTube videos, and uh, people will notice you, and you'll become famous, and you know people will notice your art, and you'll be able to sell it because of all your YouTube videos. And I think that's a really sort of naive idea, because if anybody could just post a YouTube video and become famous, then anybody and everybody would do it. But it doesn't work that way. Not everybody that creates and makes YouTube videos becomes popular because of it. Do people even notice? Do they even care? Kind of idea. But, you know, I remember talking to someone who knew not much about the internet one day and they said to me, you know, you got to get on that YouTube. Well, you know, I've been on the YouTube and on the podcasting and everything and it hasn't impacted or changed things that much. And as we've often discussed, some people become amazingly popular, but some don't. Anyway, the point is not that about YouTube. The point is, is anything you do can sort of be looked at that way. Uh, where, you know, you can say, well, why bother write a book? Because if you look at the big picture, you know, you're not going to make a living or a million dollars off the book, so why write it? And, of course, all evidence points to that being absolutely true. If you add up all the hundreds of hours and the millions of things and so on. But the also the other thing is true that we talked about just a second ago is when someone says to you, hey, you should go on YouTube and that's all it takes to become popular or open up a Patreon and people just start showering you with money. That, to me, sounds incredibly naive and it's not going to work. If it did work, then everybody would do it. Now, here's the thing, of course. You can always point towards somebody somewhere that's super popular, a success. Look at this guy. He juggles for a living. Look at this guy. He's a trumpet player. Look at this guy. He's on Patreon. Or look at this person. They're 14 years old, and they have a YouTube channel, and they make money. So they look at you, and they go, well, you should be able to start a YouTube tube channel, and you should make money with it. If only it was that easy. <laughs> So anyway, those two examples absolutely define the dilemma I'm in. I'm just not smart enough to defend myself against a smarter version of myself because the logic 
and everything is absolutely the, the statistics, the math of it, it's all 100%. But, you know, if that was the case, then nothing would be worth trying or doing. But, however, you know, you do have to make a living and you can't waste your time. So what is, what is the answer then? But the answer can't be a plan like make YouTube videos and that's going to make you money. There is no way that is a marketing plan, in my opinion. I've seen plenty of people make plenty of YouTube videos and go nowhere. Now, I've seen other people, of course, as we know, just get on there and, you know, just chatter on about this or that, and their YouTube videos are incredibly popular. I've not been able to explain it, and of course, you can point at it, but I don't know what, I don't know how to replicate any of that. So, boy, it's funny how this problem keeps boomeranging around and I guess it's going to be with me all the way to my grave how to market things and you know with the implosion of the magazines just the end of traditional advertising just the, the end of it and after that imploded then how do you advertise anything how do you find an audience in a market just randomly going on YouTube or Facebook and doing stuff. You know, that's a lot of time and a lot of energy, and it usually adds up to nothing. And I've sort of stopped wasting my time doing it. So maybe, you know, I have to do it for 20 years before I hit. I don't know. I can't see spending 20 years of my life doing all kinds of ridiculous Internet marketing. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Anyway, I have a different topic. Everything's a rabbit hole. It's, uh, you know, thank God you don't know what lies ahead, otherwise you would never go forward. The more I investigate manufacturing, the more I'm fascinated by it and the more I'm learning. I've been studying now boxes, how boxes are made, how they're manufactured, the cost of... Uh, all kinds of things having to do with boxes and you know boxes and pretty boxes and boxes with art on them boxes are a business unto themselves there's this place let me read this to you off the bottom of their box punch studio culver city california you should see the boxes that these cats make these are the most beautiful boxes I have ever seen. Basically, they take cardboard and they must uh, get it wet and then form it around forms under high pressure. And then they take very pretty artwork and super seal it with glue or something. They take this, you know, probably some kind of paper and seal it all the way around and make these gorgeous boxes and they can make them into all kinds of super accurate shapes little nook boxes pretty boxes boxes you know with mirrors in, in them and i mean just amazing the one i have here looks like something you'd find from the turn of the century like 1920 uh, on an old steamer ship it is an absolutely gorgeous box I got it for $9. I've been studying game design and making games, board games. 
And I've been looking at all sorts of packaging, of course, and what that packaging means, what's it cost, why do they have this kind of packaging, how different packaging sells. And packaging is, you know, absolutely the biggest business you could ever imagine, and it's a complete deal. And these boxes are more gorgeous than anything I've even seen produced in the game business, and there are some beautiful games produced. I have a couple games here that are so pretty the boxes and the whole thing you know the whole presentation from the ground up but you know a couple of them they come in these beautiful like almost like again like a case a card thick cardboard all painted and illustrated all the way around but what's neat about these this uh this punch studios thing is that th their boxes are formed not just into squares but into these shapes i mean really cool shapes but it's not even that. It's it's the way the uh, paper is sealed onto the thing, uh, and it makes it look really cool. It's not cheap looking. If you've been to perhaps out to Christmas this year, you may have seen boxes like this out there. There's also specialty boxes like this for like weddings and stuff made by the same company, and they're just gorgeous for different events and things. I mean, these are really nice boxes, and you figure if they're able to sell them for 10 bucks, they're manufacturing the things for somewhere around, you know, 50 cents, 25 cents, selling them for 50 cents a dollar, and then they mark it up and sell it to us. You know, the manufacturing is relatively cheap at the manufacturing level. Holy cow, these are nice boxes. And you're thinking, Dan, the boxes. But you got to see the art. See, it's not just a, like it's a, you know, a box with nothing on it. The box I have here has like cool butterflies and textures and overlays and like a leather strap that's been glued onto it to make it look like something Indiana Jones would carry around. It has little metal things in the corners the way a steamer trunk has them and stuff. It is really, really cool. I mean, I bought it. That's how cool. I bought a box, you know. That's how cool it is. The art of this box is amazing. Now, there was a whole bunch of them there, and they were all beautiful. I almost bought another one, but this one was just out of this world amazing. And for 10 bucks, a big part of making a game and manufacturing things is the package. It's huge. Sometimes bigger and the cost of the thing inside the package. So it's a big deal manufacturing your box. And the more I study it, the more I'm fascinated by it, the more I'm learning. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing. And I don't know where it's going to lead me. I hope it leads me to making some good boxes someday. That's what, that's what my goal is. My goal is to learn enough so I know what I'm talking about and I know what I'm after. Uh, but these particular boxes, they've been, you know, if you've ever pressurized something and reformed it, like vacuumed it, this is sort of what this cardboard reminds me of. It's almost like it's been vacuum formed. And uh, it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if any of you guys know this, but they've made this bicycle now totally out of cardboard. And what they do is they take the cardboard and they probably seal it very much like this box. 
it's it seems like it could be almost waterproof actually the the way this stuff is you know it doesn't seem like cardboard anymore it seems almost like a plastic outside even though it isn't so they have these bicycles now that are completely made of cardboard and they're covered in this kind of plastic covering that's like you know two centimeters thick which makes them waterproof they don't warp or, or resistant and they're hollow inside too so they're super light but they can make these bicycles now totally out of cardboard and that's and they're really tough and that's what this this cardboard box is like i mean this thing is way more durable than any box like lucky charms i mean like lucky charms is a negative 20 thickness and everything and this is like amazing i mean you could float this thing on water <laughs> uh it's it's super light but it looks super substantial it's it's kind of hard to describe but for those that you know know this kind of thing you've probably seen specialty boxes like this but i'm just learning about it i didn't know there was boxes like this i, di I didn't know there was a business uh based around and this sort of thing but now that i'm becoming a box aficionado i'm able to look at them with a more discerning eye it's really interesting well, I'm getting to the point now where I'm thinking about proofing my game. And there's a couple steps to proofing. <laughs> I wrote the word ass today, add, because A, the S and the D on a keyboard are all together and I, you know, I can't see for a thing. So I, I, I was like, add this, wrote add that, ask that. And I was like, what the hell was I writing? <laughs> Back to proof and wrote ask that, <laughs> ask these things together. What? <laughs> It's pretty funny. Anyway, for those who are blind, you're probably laughing your head off. But, uh, anyway, I'm getting to the point I need to proof uh, this. And uh, I'm getting close now. So I'm thinking I just might... Oh, I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it all in a PDF, like a book. And I'm going to sort of set up the first version of the book of instructions for the game. And that will also allow me to make a printable version of the book so I can study it and see where the mistakes are and perhaps even have somebody else help me improve it, which would really be valuable. I'm probably going to have to end up paying someone to proof this for me because uh, I just don't trust myself. I always, 100% of the time, if I picked up any book that I've written, created, or drawn, I would be able to find a typo in under 10 minutes in that book. It's just the way it is. <laughs> They're always going to be there. No matter how many I fix, no matter how many I take out, my brain fills in the mistake, and I'll go back a month later, a year later, and look at a book and be like, oh my gosh, and these mistakes just slap me in the face. And it's something I struggle with, and it tortures me. And... Uh, it's pretty crazy, but you know I can't pay five hundred to six hundred dollars to have every single book I make edited. I wish I could, but I don't even make that much on the book, so it's not practical. But this game, this game will have to be edited one way or another. Another set of professional eyes is going to have to look at this thing and help me edit it. Uh, otherwise, it's going to have mistakes, and that just won't do. I can't bring an imperfect product on that level to market so I don't know how far I'm going to get with this but I'm going to create it all the way to the end I think I have a really good idea I'm motivated 
uh, I'm probably well past the halfway mark. Uh, but even if I am halfway or not there yet, that's fine with me because I'm super motivated and this is something I really want to do. So I'm going to knock out this whole idea from the ground up. Then I'm going to take it and I'm going to make test copies of it. And then after I do that, I'm going to tweak it because I fully expect it to be tweaked. It's going to have to be fixed. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be problems. But I think I have a very good foundation on what I have here. And from there, I think I can make a very good game. Now, I'm no, no rocket scientist. That's for sure. But as it turns out, there's people out there who are rocket scientists. And you can take your game, you can go play it with them, show it to them, have them review it for you. And they'll tell you what's wrong with it and what's right with it. And they can give you very concrete and solid suggestions on how to go forward to make the thing work or better. Invaluable experience, you might call it. So I'm certainly uh, willing to do that and make this thing as good as I can. Uh, so anyway, I thought it might be interesting to listen to me and how I'm thinking about approaching this whole project and how I'm going to do it, because that's my plan. Uh, you know, plans are fluid and they change. Things happen and, you know, and so on. I know for a sheer fact that this whole thing is a long shot, and even at the best, even if it's sold you know, 1,500 copies, 2,000 copies, it still wouldn't add up to all that much or, or, or really be a viable thing. It's a lot of work for a very small return. But the way I see it is I'm lucky or I don't have to hire an artist. I don't have to bring anybody on to do all the work for it. So I want to draw anyway. I could draw almost anything. So why not throw my art at this and see what happens? That is honestly my unscientific method about the whole thing. And like so many other projects I've created from uh, animated movies to, you know, you name it, you know, instructional videos, I mean, uh, books on all kinds of subjects, you know, I don't really expect it to go anywhere because unless you have a marketing machine behind you, and I'm telling you, you need that for everything, whether you're selling cornflakes or whether you're selling art, you've got to have a pretty solid marketing thing. And and even then, it's a crapshoot. You know, you don't know that, you know, Lucky Charms is going to sell, con, you know, compared to Count Chocula. There's no way to know what will become wildly popular and what won't. Who would ever guess the Leprechaun cereal would sell really well, but the vampire cereal wouldn't you know how does somebody quantify that on the drawing table so some things you just have to sort of try and uh, try to see what happens with them and uh, hope for the best but I'm being I'm trying to be very realistic with this uh, this game idea and I have to be I really have to be but I want to make one it's sort of like my paintings I suppose my paintings aren't all that great, uh, but it doesn't stop me from going ahead and making them. I'm still doing it. So I think there's something for me personally to be said on that. I, I like doing my stuff. I've been doing it forever. 
I don't want to stop doing it, even though it's completely logical to stop. You know, it's kind of like entering a race and someone goes, well, you know, you're going to come in last place in this race. Why do you even bother racing? Well, I like the experience of racing. I want to race. And I know that a lot of my art and a lot of my books just pale in comparison to other people. I mean, that is an absolute fact. There's so many artists and people who are more talented and better than me that's ridiculous. But does that mean I shouldn't write my books or create my art or do my thing? I mean, should it not be done just because there's others who do it better? I don't know. I mean, I understand the statistics of it. I see how it seems like a big waste of time to go forward and spend my time making books that really no one reads and no one cares about and, you know, making podcasts, you know, to people who really I'm not selling anything to anyone. I'm not. This is not some kind of some business scheme. Uh, so what am I actually doing with my time? You know, if I'm just sitting here talking to you, you know, I sure as hell better get a lot out of it because it's not like I'm selling you guys anything, right? And, you know, and as I've often said, I do get a lot out of it. But when you look at it in quantitative terms as, you know, does it make you money? Well, no, it does not. Does it make me happy? Well, of course, yes. But, you know, for some people, being happy, and I get it, is a is a luxury and a free time issue, something you get after all the hard work is done. That makes sense to me. I understand it. Boy, I wish somebody had dropped off that blueprint at my house, how everything works and how, you know, to make a million dollars. Because damn, I could have used that one, and I'd have used it every day. I mean, I'm a hardworking person. If I knew what you know book to write that people would love to read, or what book to illustrate and draw, well, that's the one I would do. You know, if I knew what YouTube video to make that would make people you know want to look at it and buy my art and so on, well, that's the one I would make. I'm constantly amazed at at some of the, the content that's out there and people just absolutely adore it I mean you can sit on there and just you know in your underwear <laughs> you know no no don't take a shower mumble in the dark uh, talk and uh, you know people absolutely adore it and I suppose there's a realness to it a rawness it's like watching some reality TV show or something I mean there's obviously something to it because I see it happen out there and so do you and you know, it's not about having some crazy production values or anything else. It, it's a completely other rubric. And, you know, maybe everything you do from going bowling to watching a movie to playing a game can be ultimately construed as a waste of time. And it doesn't make you money. So then, therefore, why do it or why are you doing it? I think anything could be looked at like that. And maybe that's why I'm not rich because. I'm not I'm not super upset about that reality, but I also accept it. Now, do I wish I was some clever, clever marketing scheme guy? Hell yeah, we've talked about that a million times. You bet your ass I wish I was like, you know, Donald Trump where I was full of ingenious ideas to make myself rich. The fact of it is I've only been, you know, obsessed with, you know, what paintbrush to find and how to create art and stuff like that. And none of those things that occupy my mind at all are sitting here like, well, how do I make 
you know, $5, I could buy, you know, a couch and I could resell it and make $50 on that couch. You know, I'm not thinking about how to resell couches and make money, but I know people who are, and they're making money on reselling couches. I mean, they're doing really well in the couch game, but I myself, uh, not in the couch game, don't give a damn about the couch game. And it's true. There might be big money in the couch game, Gee whiz, it's it's hard to get excited about the couch game for me. It really, really, really is. But I don't know. And again, maybe that's why I'm not rich, because I'm not thinking like that, you know? People have often said I'm more concerned about the process than the end result. And I suppose that's true. And I don't know, maybe that's why there's some people in marketing and there's some people in producing things, you know? Some people market them after you produce them. It's hard to believe that Steven Spielberg would be a good marketer. He's a good movie director, but does that make him a good marketer? I don't know. Is it even valid to ask him to do it? I mean, is it, are, there, are there two different skills? So it's really confusing to me and frustrating, and probably I'll go to my grave completely frustrated about the whole thing because I always felt like if I could just figure out a way to sell my art, I could sell more art and be more quote unquote of a success at it. But maybe it's just, you know, other things involved. And I don't know, it may have a lot to do with the art or it may have nothing to do with the art. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so you see how frustrated I am at the whole thing, don't you? Because I am frustrated. Man, I wish I had a playbook. I wish I had some like really solid answers on that. So. What I do then is I just go forward and do my thing and try to do my best. And that's what I'm doing. So anyway, I'm looking at these amazing boxes. I mean, these things, folks, if you go to a Ross, which is one of those places like an outlet store for clothing, they have like a home section. And you can go back and find these cool boxes from Punch Studio in the home sections, in the Rosses. And... uh Man, they're they're in Marshalls too, since Ross and Marshall the same thing. You wouldn't believe how beautiful these boxes are, how cheap they are. So, I want to make a game. I want to make a beautiful, one of a kind, gorgeous box for it. I'm gonna need something like this. Uh, I'm trying to think outside the box with the whole thing, pun intended, quote unquote. And, you know, if I can get a box like this for a dollar out of China from somewhere. Well, this is the kind of box I need. I mean, this is the ultimate box. This is this is boxes on steroids. I, If I could make a box like this, see, I could make a box. I could pop up like a little city or, you know, I got some really cool ideas, I think, on what I could make my product into with something like this. So the potential is really fantastic on this. So I'm kind of, as you probably noticed, enraptured by this whole process. The making of the inside of the box, the presentation, the instructions, the actual physical things that create the game, the box, the objects, the game boards. You know, I've made a whole bunch of game boards, and I've come to the conclusion that my game is not going to have a game board. It's so funny how things go. I mean, I have literally studied and made like a dozen game boards, and you know, that is a lot of work. If you ever make one, try it. It's a lot of work and intricate 
the way I did it anyway. And then I got to the point where I was like, hey, this is not the way I want to go. But I had to do it in order to understand it and then kind of move on my ideas from it. And uh, now I think I have set up a really cost-efficient, really cool game, satisfies all the needs I have with this thing. And I think it's really, really cool. And I'm going to reveal it in not too long, probably maybe a month. I'll be revealing the whole game, and you can see for yourself what I have built. It's really neat. There's only one other game I've seen sort of like it, and that game was created based on... It's a, it's a, it's a creation based on uh, another game that came out of Germany, and then they made it into an English game, a version, which has much better art. Uh, but the mechanic of it is based on probably what you and I would call card building games where you have cards that say now you can do this now you can do that and so on but you know there's a million ways to do card mechanics and building games and really for this game like so many like a medieval castle game this game is all based on the metaphor uh, it's got a cool metaphor it works cool the mechanic works for the metaphor it's fun. Uh, I think the game allows you to play it immediately without too much learning, which is important to me anyway for this particular thing. But it has levels of complexity that over time, I think you can get into the game. Now, I would call it a, a light game. It's not a heavy game. There's games that are heavy and there's games that are light. And uh, it's not you know heavy, even as heavy as Risk which is considered a light game by gamers, by the way, but for you and I, it's not like Monopoly. It's different. It's If if it's like anything, it's like Crazy 8s, but it's, but it's not like that. But, I mean, if, you, if there's any kind of feel, because you get to move cards quickly back and forth, back and forth, and score points and move around, and it's got some cool things that way, too. And anyway, that's how the game plays the mechanics of it. So there's nothing, like, revolutionary about the mechanic. But the mechanic works. That's the important part. It's this is a tried and true mechanic. This is like buying an engine that you know millions of people have used before with great success. And I think this engine will work. Now it's got some twists, which every you know good story needs. You can have a basic plot, but it needs some cool twists. So my game has some twists, and it's got some cool stuff. So I think I got something here. And in about a month. You'll be able to see it for yourself and say, hey, I think he has something here, or maybe he doesn't. You will get to assess it for yourself. And anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proof this sucker. So i got to go through the, the rounds of proofing. And I think I'm going to dump it all into a book. And I'm going to load that book up onto Amazon. And I'm going to let them print me a proof, which on Amazon in full color uh, probably run me less than 10 bucks. And anywhere else, it would be much more expensive to do such a thing. If I took it down to the copy place right now and ran out 24 pages, it would actually be more expensive. So I think the most cost-effective way is for me to 
create a PDF book, bring it to uh, Amazon.com, have them whip me up a book in 24 hours and a proof, have them ship me that proof book, then I can see all the elements of the game in a book and take my time and page through it. Because looking at it on a computer screen is vastly different than looking at something printed. And I think we all know that for sure. Especially those of us that print things out and look at them, you go like, oh my gosh. The difference between a physical print and something on a computer screen is day and night. Uh, especially how impressive it might look. And, of course, spotting mistakes, which is what I'm after here. So, into the proofing fire, my friends. Once once more, into the fray. Uh, that's basically how it is. You know, I was talking the other day to somebody, and we were talking about how it could happen any day or sometime in the future, but the day is coming when I'm not going to be able to create. And we were talking about it, how what that will be like and where that will be and i know from the you know the computers and all the stuff it takes to create and be a modern uh person you know the cost is outrageous and the commitment and the time and i know that won't last forever i really do know that i know that this is a limited parade here and so now you know whether it's six years five years ten years I know there's only so much time that, you know, I'll even be making these recordings. You you will even be listening. I will even be here. And then this too shall pass. And, uh, you know, I say that with no, you know, <laughs> no bad feelings. It's it's the way of life. But uh, so I don't know. It's another thing is that if you've ever listened to the show at any length, you know, it's one of my feelings is I feel like life is a basketball game. This is the fourth quarter or whatever, you know, second half, bottom of the ninth, <laughs> two minutes to go. And I don't think this is any time to let off the gas. I think that, you know, maybe I have another good hundred pages, thousand pages. Who knows how many, how many I got left. And I think now's the time to make them in whatever context that is, whether I want to make paintings, make a game, make a portrait of my cat. You know, whatever it is I want to do, you know, I worked my whole life to be able to do this. And just because the world does not think I'm all that great is no reason I should freaking stop. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and I know I should. I know I should be deeply hurt or, or discouraged enough or at least rational enough to go, you're right. There's no point in making any of these projects. I have to stop right now, but I don't want to stop. Maybe because this is my particular mental illness and creating is my refuge. You know what I mean? Like, I really like creating. I really like it, like it, like it. I don't want to stop. But, you know, I get that rationally just making another 20 books and really no one's really going to notice them. I know, I know that there's really, that's not very rational. It's not a rational use of your time, really. You know, I'd probably be better off searching for a job or pumping gas or something. So facing those realities and that reality, which I've had to face over and over and over again, and now has been thrust again into the forefront of my life. You know, I, 
it's just so damn frustrating for me because I've never had an answer on any of this marketing crap. I've just kept refining my skills as a creator and focusing on that. And I've never really figured out the marketing thing. That's the truth of it. You know, I've searched and looked for clients and looked for work. But I don't know if that constitutes marketing searching. And now on the internet, I search for clients and search for work. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to write a book on marketing and say, here's my 10 hot tips, you know, for searching for people <laughs> to give you work. Because those are some just crap tips. Holy crap, I'm the last person. But uh, I don't know, you know. I wish it was all so easy. I wish it was just so easy as doing a couple YouTube videos and then the whole world, you know, rushed forward. You know, I'm in the middle of this debate with this person over this. And it's like, and they're like, all you got to do is just go on YouTube and do some videos and people come running, you know. No, that's that's really just as far from far from it as can possibly be i i don't you're not guaranteed a big audience or success or anything just just because you make it doesn't mean they're going to notice or they will come or pay attention to it and why should they you know like what's in it for you guys just some other person making a video i think i think it should really be something i don't know and there's something to be said for throwaway entertainment like this here that ha happening right now. We're just having some fun talking. This is not Shakespeare. No one's going to be putting this in a time capsule. But if you're sitting in your art studio, relaxing, making some art, maybe this is a good show to listen to to pass the time away. But I have no illusions about it. I don't think what we have here is, you know, some kind of superstar show that uh, needs to be shared with the world. You know, it is what it is. Let's 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 be honest. <laughs> And I'm not sure even wish it was anything different. I think I'm completely satisfied with what we have here. I, I think the art studio as it is, 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 a, is a really cool thing. Uh, and whatever that means, you know, and it means different things for me than it does for you. And, you know, a couple of shows back, you heard me talk about what direction I want to take the show in. And I just want the show to be something sort of, nice to listen to in the background while you're making art I, I don't think it has to be a philosophical endeavor every five seconds it doesn't mean I can't rant rant or complain about stuff or talk about almost any subject that pops into my head but it's not supposed to be you know a presentation by Gandhi every time uh, you know we get together here anyway <laughs> a lot being said there uh, as I go all over the place well, I've been drawing the hell out of these full-color illustrations. And today something happened to me that was funny. Four people came forward and asked me for what you and I would call free art. Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you do that for me? And you know, I do a shitload of free art. Holy crap, do I do a lot of free art. And... So I did free art again in this case. These people need help or they want something or, you know, with this or that or the other, and I help them. You know, I have different levels to my art, but all art takes time and everything takes time. So there's no such thing as zero time. <laughs> so a great deal of my day and afternoon was spent doing these absolutely free projects that lead to absolutely nothing. 
And you might say to yourself, why do you do them? I don't know. Saying no is not an issue for me. I say no a lot. I got a client right now that's uh, kind of torturing me. And uh, they're not answering my questions about the job correctly, which always raises a red flag to me. It makes me know and believe that they're going to be trouble. And I don't like trouble. So, you know, I'm willing to walk away from a paying client before I'm willing to walk away from a free client who's nice to me. So that may be something there. Maybe it's because they're so nice to me now that I'm sussing it out. They, they come to me the right way and say nice and thank you in just the right ways. And I say to myself, okay, I'll draw this person a drawing. Maybe that's what it is because I, I do it all the time. I don't mind. I draw people's dogs, cats. I draw their kids. And so many people don't have a nickel or, or whatever, and, and you know. And I just do it as a favor. And it's mostly people who like find me on Facebook and stuff. I would say it's 100% that. 100%. I don't know. I'm not even complaining about it. I know that you probably are sitting there thinking, Dan, you are freaking crazy to be drawing things for free for people. You know, I'm not doing the Mona Lisa for them. I'm not doing sort of intense art. But again, all art is art takes time and time's money and blah 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 and you know every day you burn doing free stuff is day a day you don't get back to do your own stuff i don't know what's nice about those projects and like other projects that are tied to different things that people have to do or not do you can just step in make a beautiful piece of art mail it to them and it's over and uh i like that that's why i like doing the charity art things and stuff because you can contribute and you know it's not committee based or anything and you're out <laughs> uh i don't know but uh i don't really have a point with that except that i kind of like that so i did a bunch of free art today a whole bunch all portrait based it's always portraits now what people look like which is fine. That's what I like to do. That's what I do. I do what people look like. And, you know, I've developed a super efficient system for doing it. It's not even in any way painful. It's like if I said to you, I want you to go make me a sandwich. For me, making art is just like that. Now I can push it, and there's different things to learn, there's levels of it, obviously. But what people want is very highly accurate work at a certain level. Now, again, like I know there's a million people better than me. But at my level, like I can produce this work pretty briskly. And uh, people are always very pleased with it. It does well. It's accurate. You know, if it's supposed to be a 72 Corvette with your aunt and your mom driving it well you can bet it is going to be a 72 corvette with your aunt and your mom driving it it's going to look exactly like them it's going to be exactly the car and so on i mean and it's taken me 30 years to be able to produce work quickly that can be that accurate and you know and i use every trick and every technique in the book but i mostly use 30 years of daily practice that's the real trick there you go that's that's the magic trick. And uh, computers have really helped speed things up because there's an undo button. 
you make a mistake and you can instantly undo it and then fix it. That is fabulous to me as an artist. And that's basically the speed thing for me in a computer. It is just allows me that little extra speed. In the real world, your paintings have to dry. If you're working in oil, they got to dry for days. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it might, it might take a week for, for something to be at a point where you can go back and work on it. I mean, and it's kind of hard to stop emotionally in the middle of a piece sometimes because you're like so caught up in it and now you're supposed to stop and wait for it to dry. So that's one great thing about the computer too is there's no no paint drying uh, part of the whole thing. Uh, you know, no cleanup as they say. <laughs> uh, there's something nice about the tactile thing of real painting too. And also real painting, you got to solve problems that you don't solve digitally I can't explain it but then when you go back to your digital work of course you start you have these different solutions these different ways to approach color and light and so forth and it really then it really pays off to do real-world painting because then when you go back to the computer you literally have a different bag of tricks but uh, it, it's a long way around it really is I can't say that there's a quick quick way to become proficient in all that without putting in a bunch of time. For me, the exposure to Norman Rockwell and all those techniques was really the key. That changed things for me. That made it possible for me to do what I do today because looking back at it now, the whole thing is based on that and that and the way he does it. The whole thing. And if I hadn't learned that as my foundation, I would always sort of be like, I see so many other people floundering with the construction of drawings and not understanding really what they're doing or how it's done. And that's okay. I, I've many years on understanding many things. It's not a criticism. And that struggle, you know, trying to do it. So. That's the deal is, you know, knowing how to fix an engine is one thing. Know how to do it really efficiently is another. And knowing them both all at the same time is really something. So Norman, you know, his method was incredibly efficient and yet, you know, lend itself to making beautiful professional work. Uh, and now with the computer, you can take his whole process and speed it up exponentially and you know no paint drying literally <laughs> and off to the races we go so well this piece is coming out really good i'm doing a really cute sexy stortus from the 60s a bunch of the images in this game look like they came out of the 50s and the 60s i love that look of like the old pan am ads with a bunch of stortuses standing around all looking really crisp in their little stewardess uniforms. Anyway, I got a lot of that madman, a lot of that feel of that age and that era in this game. And it's really cool. I think it's it's, it's got a unique look, that's for sure. And it's, I'm not saying it's for everybody, uh, but, you know, it's a professionally produced and drawn package, that's for sure. And it's going to have a great box. <laughs> I hope all of you have a fantastic day in your art studio. I'll see you soon. Have a fantastic week. 
keep drawing, keep creating, and do your thing because the party only lasts so long, my friend. So have fun at the party while you're there. And that party is life. So have fun in life. Uh, it's the only way to go, right? What's what's our choices? <laughs> have a great day. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.